turn with me please to the Romans, Paul's letter to the Roman church. I want to talk today about a God of hopeless situations. A God of hopeless situations. Romans chapter 4 verse 16. Therefore it is a faith that it might be according to grace. So that the promise might be sure to all the seed. Not only to those who are of the law, but also those who are of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. And as, as it is written, I've made you father of many nations in the presence of him whom he believed God, who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. God calls those things that do not exist as though they did exists, who contrary to hope, in hope believed, so that he, Abraham, became the father of many nations, according to what was spoken, so shall your descendants be. And Abraham, not being weak in faith, did not consider his own body already dead, since he was about a hundred years old, and the deadness of Sarah's womb, he did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God and being fully convinced that what God had promised, he was able to perform. And therefore, it was accounted to him for righteousness. Quickly, also 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 27. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 27. But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. And God hath chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty and the base things of the world and the things which are despised God hath chosen and the things which are not to bring to nothing the things that are that no flesh should glory in his presence. Say praise the Lord and be seated. Man is inclined to lean on, look to, and trust in those things that can be seen and those things that can be touched. I said man is inclined to look to, lean on, trust in those things that he can see and those things that he can touch. Most of our predictions and conclusions and prognostications are based on our perception of the physical world. Our emotional level is determined by our visible environment. How we feel is determined by what we experience, determined by what we see, by the things, physical things that are around us. And some of you have seen some pretty rough things this last week. You've seen some pretty difficult things, some pretty sorrowful, disappointing things this week. Trouble in your home, 
trouble on the job, craziness in the streets. Some of you have a troublesome financial situation facing you. Someone might feel because of circumstances mighty low and mighty depressed. And we're prone to say, well, if nothing goes wrong, I'll make it all right. I'm doing pretty good under the circumstances. We look at circumstances, and circumstances determine our expectation of success or failure. We look at people. How many of you know people will let you down? Some of you have been let down by people in the last few days. And you depend on people and look to people for your emotional and mental nourishment, fortitude, reinforcement. But though we are prone to look at these things, God pays no attention to circumstances. Circumstances have no effect or impact on whether or not God does a thing that he chooses to do. If God says he's going to do something, no matter what the circumstances might be, God is going to do it. Psalm 135, verse 6, one of my favorite verses. I've got it posted on the wall of my study. Whatsoever the Lord pleased, that did he in heaven and in earth and in the seas and in all the deep places. Whatever the Lord pleased, he did it. <laughs> in the earth, in the heaven, in the seas and in all the deep places. If God conceives it, in his mind, if God speaks it with his mouth, that's it. It's done. It exists. It is accomplished. God does whatever he wants to do because he is creator. If it doesn't exist, he can make it. <laughs> and all things were created by God. All things exist by the power of God. God started with nothing. He didn't take something that pre-existed, but he spoke to nothing. And out of nothing, everything we see came into existence. Genesis 1.1 says, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. All God had to do was speak the word. And whatever he spoke came into existence. Somebody said he came out of nowhere because there was nowhere for him to come from. And he spoke to nothing because there was nothing for him to speak to. And he stood on nothing because there was nothing for him to stand on. And he said, let there be Sun started shining, moon started glowing, planets started whirling, the universe 
that is millions of years in diameter and circumference came into existence just because God spoke the word. Now, if you disagree with me, explain to me how this universe of precision and order, how life with all of its intricacy, with all of its connectedness came into existence. You tell me your explanation and I'll just tell you God did it. And I'll show you my explanation makes more sense than your explanation. God started with nothing and he created all that we see. So God loves to deal with nothing. I said God loves to deal with nothing. If you're down to nothing today, you're just right for God because God loves to deal with nothing. And then when mankind fell from grace, when we disobeyed God and were addicted to sin and were doomed and sentenced to eternal death, there was nothing available to us by which we could improve or righten our predicament. We had no resources at all within us that we might use to set things aright in the universe. God had to be judge, jury, and defendant. I said he had to be judge, jury, and defendant. Because salvation lay out of our reach. And we always fell short of the demands of God and the demands of the law. Sacrifices of animals did not obtain forgiveness and salvation because he who suffers for the transgression of another must himself be innocent of any transgressions. If he's not innocent himself, then he's suffering for what he did, not for what somebody else did. Not only that, but he who suffers for the transgression of another must be related to the transgressor. Why kill a bull or a goat or a heifer for the sins of a man? The blood of animals cannot atone, the Bible says, for the sins of man. Because man has sinned, man ought to have to suffer. But then thirdly, he who suffers for the transgressions of another must be worthy of suffering for those whom he claims to suffer for. Because this was not going to be the sacrifice of one man for another man. It was going to be the sacrifice of one man for the sins of all men, women, boys and girls on the face of the earth who were doomed and sentenced to the judgment of sin. Jesus was the only one who met the conditions. He was innocent. He did no sin. Neither was any guile found in his mouth. He was worthy. He was the very son of God, wrapped in the very flesh of man. He was God, the Alpha, the Omega, the omnipotent God on the earth. He was worthy. He was innocent. And then he was related. He was made flesh. And he dwelt among us. The son of God met all of these conditions. And in the fullness of the time, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, that he might redeem them that were under the law. We had nothing but God provided for us an atonement. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. 
The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever would believe in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. We had nothing, but God provided Jesus Christ. Men say wealth is salvation. Men say power is salvation. Some say pleasure is salvation. Others say knowledge is salvation. But the Bible says we preach Christ crucified. Under the Jews a stumbling block. Under the Greeks foolishness. But under them which are called both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God, because the foolishness of God is wiser than men. And the weakness of God is stronger than men. If it were possible, God at his most foolish moment is wiser than the wisest man at his wisest moment. <laughs> and God at his weakest moment is stronger than the strongest man at his strongest moment. As high above us as are the heavens above the earth. Hallelujah. The song says, for nothing good have I whereby thy grace to claim. I'll wash my garments white in the blood of Calvary's lamb. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, but he washed it white as snow. We had nothing, but also we were nothing. We were nothing. As far as men are concerned, as far as the standards of humanity and life were concerned, we were nothing. God, you know, God does not reach out uh, to the wealthy and the powerful and to the well-known to do his work. In 1 Corinthians 1.26, the Bible says, Brethren, not many noble, not many wise after the flesh, not many mighty are called, but God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise the weak things to confound the mighty, the base things and the despised things and the things which are not to bring to nothing the things that are. We were nothing, but God made us something by his power. And listen, he takes nothing to bring something to nothing. <laughs> How don't you say praise the Lord? We had nothing, we are nothing. All we have is our faith. Would you just look to two people and tell them all we have oh, yeah. is our faith. Oh, yeah. Hallelujah. God loves to work in hopeless situations. You remember Brother Ezekiel? I'm trying to encourage somebody today. Brother Ezekiel in a vision was carried out into a valley by God. In that valley, it was filled with dead men's bones. The bones were scattered and separated. And Ezekiel says they were dry. And they were very dry. There was no hope, no life, no promise of life in them. God asked Ezekiel the question before he went to work, man, can these bones live? Ezekiel probably would have said, Lord, if it was left up to me to assess it, I would say no. But since I'm talking to you, I'll just say, Lord, you know. God said to Ezekiel, prophesy to the bones. Speak the word of the Lord to the bones. Ezekiel said, oh, ye by dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. There was a shaking and quaking and moving 
In that valley, bones first began to get connected to one another. Isn't it amazing that the church needs to be connected to one another? Lord, we, we can do something about that. We can connect. We can get come into a relationship. But not only did the bones get connected um, uh, to one another, but flesh and veins and sinews and muscle came on uh, those bones and skin came on those bones and hair grew out of those bones. And ultimately, uh, the, 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 the bones were together with flesh, but there was no life. And God breathed on that body of, uh, of bones that had been scattered um, in that valley and life breath came into them and they stood up the Bible says an army of living men and God brought that vision to Ezekiel to let us know on this earth what God can do for us our situation may be dead the bones of it might be scattered but God can not only bring it back together again God can make it as good and as better than it was before and God can bring life and breath into that dead situation. I've come here to tell you today that God can bring life and breath into your dead situation. Come on, clap your hands and praise God. When God shows up in the valley, life comes in. Hope comes in. Changes come in. Your valley might be your home. It might be your job. I don't know where your valley is, but I've come by to tell you today, life is on the way to your valley. Life is on the way to your situation. Bless the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Well, you might say, preacher, you don't know what kind of situation I've been dealing with. There's been a downturn, a downfall, an avalanche in my life. Things have gone south in my life, and I don't know whether there's any hope or not. And I'll just say to you, yes, there is hope. That's the way the Lord sometimes works. Sometimes the Lord makes things worse before he makes things better. But you tell your neighbor, sometimes God makes things worse before he makes things better. Hallelujah. Listen, God is going to work when it brings glory to his name. And God does not want there to be any doubt about who performed the miracle, who did the work, who brought about the change. He doesn't want you to say, I got lucky. He doesn't want you to say, well, somebody helped me out. He doesn't want you to say, well, I figured it out. He wants you to say, God did it. And it, I give him glory and I give him honor. And so when your situation promises that God might not get the glory. Somebody else might be attributed uh, the effectiveness and the power that brought about your change. God makes it worse. So you can say, listen, God, if you don't do it, it's not going to be done at all. Can I encourage you today? I'm trying to lift your spirit. Gideon, how many people do you have? Gideon said, I got 32,000. We're up against 100,000 Midianites, but uh, I got a real good strategy. I think we can win. God said, oh, you got a strategy. You think you can win. Well, I can't get glory out of your strategy. I'm cutting you down. Gideon, how many do you have now? Well, I'm down to 10,000. These men are good 10 to 1. We can still win. God said, oh, you got men good 10 to 1 then. I'm cutting you down again. Gideon, you need to stop talking. <laughs> Gideon, how many do you have now? I'm down to 300. 
300 against 100,000. There's no way we can win without a miracle from God. God said, Gideon, that's what I've been waiting on you to say. Now go on out there in my power and win the victory. God is waiting on you to say, God, I'm dependent on you. God, I can't make it without you. God, I need you to move in my situation. And when you put your trust in God, God will come in and give you the victory. Jesus, Lazarus is sick. Jesus said, oh, he's sick. Okay, I can't get the kind of glory I want out of sick. Well, Jesus, Lazarus is dead now. Well, he's not dead enough. Jesus, Lazarus has been dead for four days. By now he's stinking. The body is rottening. There's nothing that can be done. It's too late. Jesus said, I never start until it's too late. Roll the stone away. Get ready for a miracle. Get the stone out of the way. Get ready for me to do something great. And then he called Lazarus by name. And Lazarus came forth alive and well. Listen, if Jesus is involved, it's never too late. But you tell somebody, if Jesus is involved, it's never too late. Oh, talk to your neighbor. Tell the neighbor on the other side, if Jesus is involved, it's never too late. Not too late for your family. Not too late for your professional pursuit. Not too late for your economic life. Not too late for your money. Not too late for your future. Not too late for your joy. Not too late for your peace. Tell somebody it's not too late. Hallelujah. Not too late. Oh, somebody ought to get to praising God. Somebody ought to give the Lord a standing praise because it's not too late. Not too late. Hallelujah, not too late, not too late, not too late. I hear the Lord saying, I will restore to you the years that the locusts have eaten, the caterpillar, the canker worm, my army. I will restore to you what they've eaten. I will restore, I will restore. God will restore. God will restore. Everybody yell it out, restore, restore. The devil may have devastated your life. He may have snatched stuff out of your hands, but God says, I'm a God of restoration. Take your seats for a while and give praise to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He told Abraham, when Abraham was about 80, 85, I'm going to give you a son by your wife, Sarah. That son is going to be the son of promise. Through him, I'm going to fulfill my promises to my people all over the world. And then he waited until Abraham was 85, 90, 95, 100 years old. And then Abraham said, Lord, um, kind of late. God said, that's all right. I never start until it's too late. Listen, don't you worry about too late. You can't hurry God. You just got to trust him and give him time. No matter how long it takes. He's a God. You can't hurry, but he'll come. Don't worry. He may not come when you want him, but he'll be right on time. I've come by to tell you he'll be right on time. He'll be right on time. Sometimes he waits uh, uh, until you get desperate. Sometimes he waits 
uh, uh, until you really learn what you need to learn from your predicament. Sometimes he waits until things are just right. Sometimes he waits until nobody but him can get the glory. But then when God moves, he's able to turn things around. He said, I'll restore to you the years that you've lost. Years are coming back. Days are coming back. Strength is coming back. Joy is coming back. Peace is coming back. Fulfillment is coming back. Tell your neighbor, it's coming back. Abraham and Sarah were walking around on canes. Couldn't hardly walk, let alone do anything else. But God moved by his power. Pretty soon, Sarah, 95 years old, walking around pregnant. Abraham walking around acting like he was bad. <laughs> giving folk high fives. And pretty soon the child was born. God in the name of Jesus did it by his power. And if God did it for him, God can restore and turn your life around by his power. God gets the glory when there's nothing. I said, God gets the glory when there is nothing. He gets the glory when he brings us out of a hopeless situation. He says in the word, my glory I will not give to another, and I'm going to work so that no flesh can glory in my presence. This is why it's so important to give God praise, no matter how you feel. Sometimes the devil plays tricks on us. He begins to manipulate our minds so we can't give glory to God. That's the devil's job. But no matter, no matter what the devil does, no matter what the devil brings before you in worship, listen, get over it and get by it and begin to praise the Lord. The, the devil will bring stuff to your mind that happened 50 years ago, but keep on giving praise to God. He'll try to distract you about something that somebody said just before you walked in church. But give praise to God and give glory to God. He'll, 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 he'll cause somebody to mess with you while you're driving to church. Church, but when you get in the house of the Lord and before you get in there, just begin to give glory to God because God says, my glory I will not give to another. And when you glorify God, that means you're walking by faith and trusting in the might and in the power of Almighty God. Hallelujah. Clap your hands. Hallelujah. I'm almost through. First Kings 17, there was a widow of Zarephath. There was a famine in the land. She was down to just a handful of meal and just a little few drops of oil in the cooking bottle, cooking oil bottle. And her son and she were out in, in the yard gathering up some sticks and, and the man of God came by and, and, and said, what are you doing? She said, I'm gathering sticks so my son and I can eat our last meal and die. The man of God was inspired of God said to her, listen, make me a cake first. And by faith, hearing the word of God, said, listen, if you do that, your meal bell will never run empty and, and your oil crews will never run dry. She made the man of God a cake first and then went about to make for her son. But when she went back to that meal barrel that had just a few grains of meal in it, the thing was full. Went back to the oil bottle and... It had just a few drops, but all of a sudden, the bottle was filled. And she had enough to sustain her and her son throughout the entire 
famine. She was down to nothing, but she gave one cake to God. And because she did that, the work of God in her life was miraculous. She had more than she had before the famine. God can take care of you in the middle of the recession. God can bring you through no matter what your, your boss may lay you off, but you can get more being laid off than you got when you were working. God can bless you. God can lift you. God can encourage you. You're not going under during this recession. You're not going under with what you're dealing with. You're not going under. You're not going to be defeated. You're more than a conqueror. You're going to go higher and you're going to be better because of God in your life. Come on, praise God. Hallelujah. 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 The Bible says we walk by faith and not by sight. And when God sees us leaning in the direction of sight and the things that we can see, he throws us back on nothing until we're willing to walk by faith. God has a way of driving us back to faith. We cannot see through the future. We cannot see through dark clouds. We cannot see through tear-dimmed eyes, but we can walk on by faith in God. And I came by to tell you today, walk by faith. Walk by faith. Don't depend on what you can see. What you see is temporary. What you see is passing. What you cannot see is eternal. It is permanent. God deals in the realm of the eternal. God works with the response to faith. And if you've got faith, God will work in your life and do what you cannot conceive of doing without his power. We've got to trust him. When there's nothing, still trust God. When you're down to nothing, put your trust in God. Some of you feel that you confront emptiness and you confront nothingness, nothingness within you and nothingness in your environment. No promise of victory anywhere, failure everywhere. But I hear God saying in Jeremiah 33 and 3, call unto me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things which you do not know. Call unto me and I'll answer you and I'll show you great and mighty things which you have not seen, you have not experienced. You don't know anything about it, but God is able to do it. God is going to do some great and mighty things in somebody's life. If you believe it, just begin to praise him in advance. <laughs> hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for the great thing, the mighty thing. You're going to do in my life. Thank you for the provision you're going to make. Thank you for the fact you're going to turn it around. Thank you, dear Lord. I'm not going down. I'm going up. I'm not going down. I'm going through. I'm going over by the power of Almighty God. Praise you. I see me in the future, and I look much better than I look right now. Praise you for what you're Hallelujah, hallelujah. Just begin to pull it down, pull it down, and praise God. Thank you, God. Thank you. Great things, wonderful things, mighty things are coming into my life. Give him praise, give him praise, give him praise. Hallelujah. It's better to have Christ and nothing. I said it's better to have Christ and nothing than to have everything and not have Christ. Hallelujah. Everything can't help you when you're sick. Everything can't help you when your heart is broken. Everything can't help you when you're depressed and don't have the strength to walk on into the future. Everything can't help you when your life is filled with confusion. Everything can't help you when you're hooked on drugs and hooked on alcohol, but Jesus can help. Jesus can, Jesus can. Hallelujah. 
Hallelujah. Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. That's the problem with so many people now. They're trying to make it without Jesus. But Paul said in Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. Listen, you might not even feel it, but Christ has been getting you ready for this moment. That's why you're still in church praising God and lifting up your hands. He strengthened you. I said he strengthened you. Other folk in your predicament would have lost their minds. They would have blown their brains out. But you're still here praising God. I can do all things through Christ who strengtheneth me. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They'll mount up on wings like eagles run, not be weary, walk, and not faint. I'm still here. Oh, tell somebody I'm still here by the power of God. And I'm still here because God kept me here. God kept me alive. God kept me here because God's getting ready to do something wonderful in my life. Come on, tell your neighbor, God is getting ready to do something wonderful in my life. Hallelujah. 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 He's a God of hopeless situations. I said he's a God of hopeless situations. The cross was a hopeless situation. I said the cross was a hopeless situation. Jesus hung there, nails in his hands, nails in his feet, a wound in his side, thorns in his skull, life ebbing away. His disciples had left him. The crowds had turned on him. It seemed that the dark sky hid the very face of Almighty God. So that Jesus said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I feel like I'm all by myself. And if he were to bear the burden of our sin, he had to do it all by himself. The Romans were, were taunting him and talking about him and and the Pharisees and Sadducees were cursing him and spitting upon him. He was buried in a borrowed grave. That should have let them know something then. But he was buried in a borrowed grave. But on the third day morning, he grabbed hopelessness. He grabbed death. And he shook death until death turned him loose. Something is going to turn you loose this morning. Your depression is going to turn you loose. Your burden is going to turn you loose. The devil is going to turn you loose. Come on, shake yourself loose in the name of Jesus and be free. Jesus arose and said, all power in heaven and in earth is given unto me. I've got the key. I've come by to tell you Jesus has the key. Would you tell your neighbor Jesus has the key? He's unlocking locked doors in your life. I see you walking out in the power of God, in the grace of God. Don't let your problem get you down. Deal with your problem. Stand on your problem. Stomp on your problems. The devil is under your feet. The Lord said, I give you power to tread on serpents and on scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and so you can tread on the power of the devil 
nothing shall hurt you. And I can tell you, I've been on the road a long time. I thought sometimes damage was being done to me, but it didn't hurt. Folk lied on me, but it didn't hurt. Folk opposed me, but it didn't hurt. Folk scandalized my name, but it didn't hurt. Folk thought they were taking stuff away from me, but it did not hurt. Everything they did took me higher. Everything they did made me better. They intended it for evil, but God, but God intended it for good. You ought to praise the Lord. Yeah, 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 hallelujah. Stand up and give him praise. Stand up and give him praise. Stand up and give God praise. I'm not looking at the situation. I'm looking to my God. Look unto me and be saved. All ye ends of the earth. If you look to God, God is your source. Tell somebody, God isn't your source. Old Roberts used to say, I'm not telling God about my mountains. I'm telling my mountains about God. Mountain, you must not know who you're messing with. Mountain, you must not know who I serve. Mountain, you must not know who I'm working for. Mountain, you must have forgotten who made you. Mountain, you better get out of the way. God's going to get you. You're not messing with me. You're messing with God. And if God be for us, who can be against us? Come on, ball up your fist and say, devil, get out of the way. I'm going through by the power of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. I was going through some of my records the other day. I came upon a letter that I wrote to the Lord in 1973. I wrote a letter to God. I'm not going to read the letter, but I just tell you I wrote the letter. And in that letter, I told the Lord about some things that were happening in my life, some things that were going on in the church. Uh, and I said that, uh, Lord, uh, it would seem now that this trial has gone on long enough. And uh, I feel that it's time for you to bring this matter to a close. <laughs> I said, Lord, it's time for you to stop this thing. And I just folded that and put it up, put it aside. I haven't looked at it too many times since 1973. But I pulled out this letter from my file the other day, 1973, and began to check off the things I asked the Lord for and the things that the Lord did. And everything I asked God to do, God did it. Every, hallelujah, every promise God made to me, God kept it. And I just come by to tell you today, you are not destined for defeat, you're destined for victory. You're not destined for pain. You're destined for joy. 
You're not destined for emptiness and loneliness. God has destined you for fulfillment and abundant living. And I just came by to tell you today, if you trust God, you're on your way to victory. Would you tell three people you're on your way to victory? You know, I wrote this letter because a prophet, a prophet told me, a prophet told me, she saw what I was going through, and the prophet told me, write God a letter and ask God for what you want, what you need. I'm just challenging you today. Write the Lord a letter. Do it this week, soon as you can. Sit down, write the Lord a letter. Trust God, pray over that letter. And just know my faith and my prayers are in support of the word that God told me to tell you to write God a letter this week. And then put it aside. Then one year, two years, three years, five years, ten years down the road, let's pull the letter out and see how God fulfills every promise he made to you. Now write about things that you're going to work for. Write about things you're going to believe are going to happen. Write about things you're going to accommodate. Don't, don't write something and say, I'm not going to do nothing. I'm just going to sit over here in the corner. And no, you work toward it. You accommodate it. You cultivate your relationship with the Lord. And I tell you, when you go back to that letter, God will have done what you ask him to do. Tell your neighbor, God will do what you ask him to do in the name of Jesus by faith give God advance praise for what he's going to do now how many of you going to write the letter I mean you, you just think I'm talking how many of you are going to write the Lord a letter this week write it don't bring it to me just put it in a place that is secure and you're going to go back in years to come if you continue to believe and trust God and work with God it shall come to pass I said it shall come to pass it shall come to pass anybody feel encouraged anybody feel lifted anybody feel blessed it shall come to pass it shall come to pass it shall come to pass. It shall come to pass. I want to pray for somebody who is outside the fold, outside the ark of safety. You've not accepted Jesus. Your sins are not forgiven. You've not entrusted your life to the Lord. You've not accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and as your Savior. How could you be aware of a great God like we have and not put your life in his hands? How could you be aware that Jesus, who died for you, is the Son of God, risen Savior, and not live for him? I want to give you an opportunity to do that today. I want you to accept, to have an opportunity to accept Jesus Christ as your Savior. He loves you. This mighty God that I've talked about today loves you. This mighty God wants to intervene in your life and bless you. 
give you abundant life, carry you into your future by the power of Almighty God, and in eternity give you eternal joy, bliss, and peace in his presence. If you would be saved, if you would say, Preacher, I want to know Jesus. I want my sins forgiven. I want to be sure that things are well and right between me and my God. I don't want to walk with this burden of guilt and shame on my life. I want to be able to look into the face of God with peace in my spirit and know that things are well between me and the God of the universe who holds me in the palm of his hand. I want to accept Jesus. If you're not saved, I will pray for you right where you are, right where you are. Every sin you've ever committed can be forgiven. Your life can be changed in the name of Jesus. If you say, Preacher, I want Jesus in my life, I want to pray for you. Every head is bowed. Every eye is closed. Right where you are, I will lead you in prayer, and Jesus will forgive your sin. But I need to know you want this prayer. If you would say, Preacher, I need Jesus, I just want you to lift your hand, hold it high. Lift your hand, hold it high. Preacher, I don't want to live any longer without that God in charge of my life. I don't want to live any longer without Jesus in my heart. I don't want to live any longer without being sure that God is taking care of every aspect of my life. I want to be saved. Pray for me. If that's you, lift that hand, hold it high. I'll pray for you right where you stand. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, lift those hands. Dear Lord, I pray for every uplifted hand. I thank you, dear Lord, that you by your power, your grace, your mercy have brought these individuals into the house of God. Dear Lord, by your grace, the word of God has been proclaimed to them. You did not allow them, dear Lord, to be cut off before they had this opportunity to hear your gospel, to hear your truth, to hear about your love. Transform their lives. Set them free. Let them never, ever again be the same. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Everybody say this prayer after me. Dear Lord, I'm sorry for my sins. Please forgive me for the wrong I've done and the wrong I have been. I want to be saved. I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. I believe he died for my sins. I believe he arose from the dead. I accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and my Savior. I give my life to him. And I thank you, Lord. I'm saved. I thank you, Lord. My sins are forgiven. I thank you, Lord. I have new life. Come on and give praise to God. Give him praise. Give him praise. Give him glory. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.